We'd like to welcome into American Narratives today, Kevin Summers. Kevin Summers uh, is a true transformational leader and IT executive, a real rich set of experiences and background with roles such as it roles in executive roles in companies such as Coca-Cola, Whirlpool Corporation, Lowe's, and currently CIO of Avnet. Kevin is also a proud father of two great kids and has a background where he went to the College of Charleston, where he played a little basketball, and also got his MBA from a little place called Duke University. Kevin, thank you for joining us. Joe and Marianne, thanks a lot for the opportunity to be participate with you all today, and I'm looking forward to um, sharing my story and, and my background. Terrific. Well, thank you so much, and uh, it's good to have you in here. And I, you know, I consider you a friend. Gosh, I, I, I've known you since your Whirlpool days. How long has it been, Kevin? Like. 15 years or something crazy like that? Oh, yeah. It's been, I think we met back in 2008. So um, that's 12 years. So, but yes, clearly, you know, you've been more than just a partner, but a friend like a brother as well. So I appreciate it. We've stayed in contact, you know, all over those years, even after I left um, Whirlpool and you moved on as well. Yep. Well, you know, it's, uh, I think important connections need to stay alive and I appreciate you Appreciate you staying connected and appreciate you joining us today. I mean, you, I, 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 you've got such a, a rich background and I want to dive into it so, so people get to know you a little bit better and kind of your career journey. Um, so let's jump right in. Yeah, definitely. Thank you again for being with us, Kevin. Um, I've heard a lot of great things about you, but, you know, let's take, take a few steps back and talk about your personal story, right? Tell us a little bit more about where does your family come from? Where were you born and where did you really spend your formative years? No, that's a great question. Um, I was born in Orangeburg, but, you know, my fa- Orangeburg, South Carolina, but, you know, my family and I, we stayed in a little small town called Branchville, Branchville, South Carolina. It has about 1,200 people even yet today. You know, I, I go back and um, so I stayed there until I went to college at 18 years old. Um, just to tell you how small the, the area is, you know, my graduating class had about 20 people in it. You know, I always tell my kids I was number one in my graduating class. And they said, Dad, you should have been. You only had 20 people in your class. Where I grew up at. Um, in formative years, I'm the youngest of six brothers and sisters. Um, you know, my mom was a school teacher who had a master's in science, uh, where my father was a um was an entrepreneur, but he only had an eighth grade education, but he had a lot of, you know, like I said, he was an entrepreneur. He owned a farm and he owned a grocery store. And I learned a lot, you know, from both of them over the years. As a kid, that's, thank you for that. Very, you know, kind of rural setting, obviously very family oriented. As a kid, what did you dream about doing? what did you want to be when you grew up? Did you want to be an IT executive or kind of what was your plan? You know, a lot of that comes from my, my parents, who I think, you know, was, had the most influence in my life as I was growing up. So I, I knew I wanted to go to college because of the fact that my mom went to college and she was big on, you know, education. So I clearly knew I wanted to go to college. Um, I wanted to play in the NBA and um, there you go. I wanted to work with computers. Um, you know, I'll never forget, you know, I was one of the, I was the only kid in town that had a computer at their home. Um, wow. and we had one computer in my classroom when I was in the eighth grade. And you had to, um, you know, so I was on the computer at school all the time. I was on the computer so much that they had to, then we had to put a sign up list because, and had time limits <laughs> so, oh, because wow. of me. And then, you know, at that point, my mom, you know, I begged my mom to buy me my first Franklin computer. 
under the Sears Robots uh, catalog. So I knew that I wanted to be in computers since I was in eighth grade. I knew that I wanted to go to college and I wanted to play in the NBA. So that was my, my dream. Wow. So that, that, that obviously you got a few of those done. Um, but spoiler alert, <laughs> Kevin never ended up being in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I never ended up in the NBA. So I, I did go to college. And I used basketball to get to college, um, you know, because at that point my parents didn't have, couldn't afford to send me to college. Um, so that's how I, I got to college, you know, through um, sports. Terrific. So at college, what did you decide to, to just kind of tell us about that? Obviously, you had a penchant for, for computers and basketball, right? You played a little ball. What did you end up taking in college, and what did you graduate in? Well, I started off, like I said, um, you know, taking the, the regular courses that, you know, just are foundational courses that you take at a liberal arts school. Um, so you become well-rounded. <laughs> um, but I, then I decided to major in, um, when, once I realized I could make it to the NBA, back to Joe's point, <laughs> that, that dream was not a reality, um, I decided that, look, I need to get a great education and focus on what I um, came there to do was, you know, to get a degree in computer science. So I took a lot of computer science classes, but also um, I took business classes um, as well. And I took, you know, everything from music appreciation to, um, you know, calculus and math classes, but also, um, like I said, you know, Spanish classes, foreign languages um, to business classes. And I think that served me well, because, you know, when I look farther down in my career, you know, yes, I'm a technologist, but also it's more about just being a technologist. It's about, you know, how do you interact with people all across the world? How do you interact with, you know, talk to different parts of the functions, whether it's finance, marketing, you know, HR, et cetera. So I think th that taking multiple courses, not just, you know, yes, you have a major, but being more well-rounded in different classes, um, I think is a great, was a great opportunity that served me well in the future. You made a really good point, Kevin, about being well-rounded and being able to connect with other individuals. So even as a technologist, being aware of those um Things is really important. Tell us about your first career. So you 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 graduated and you're moving out to to launch into your you know adult world. Tell us about that. What was your first job outside of college? Yes. Yeah, so you know some of those things that I've I'm always been a big dreamer, and I knew even in college I wanted to be well. I knew I wanted to be in com uh, computers, and I just did all my research. And I said, hey, I want to be a CIO. Not only did I said I wanted to be a CIO, I had a name down to size that I wanted to work with. and But I also had a roadmap to get there. So I wasn't just looking for any company out of college. I wanted a brand name company that was going to help me, you know, get to that level. So Quite honestly, I mean, it was pretty tough coming from College of Charleston. I mean, it's a well-known school today, and but it's still a smaller school in the Southeast. It's not big companies that came to the College of Charleston. They were pretty much local dreams. Um, so I, I found a flyer on campus one day that said they were having this big career fair in Atlanta. And I said, okay, well, first of all, how do I get money to go to Atlanta? <laughs> Second of all, where am I going to stay? Um, then I realized, okay, my sister lives in Atlanta. Um, so I said, I guess I can crash on the floor, floor with her. And we got some other people that were some of my friends. We drove down to Atlanta for a big career fair. Um, now, remember, I'm coming from 1,200, a town of 1,200 people. 
Yes. Um, and College of Charleston at that time was maybe 3,000 people in the whole school. So we walk into this huge, giant convention center that has thousands of people <laughs> and thousands of companies. And it's for, you know, six or seven days of just interviewing and you stand in long lines. So, um, you know, that week, so every day I was getting in front of a line and you have about, you know, you know, three minutes to do your elevator speech mm-hmm. and, you know, to sell people on your, your, why you should, they should hire you. And, you know, by Friday, I'm just exhausted after talking to so many different people. And if they like you, they brought you back for a second interview. So, and the, on Friday, almost around three or four o'clock, so the, the week is almost over, I interviewed with General Electric and Pete Cuzo was the recruiter. And I told my story and I would always use this line of her, you know, because that's when that happened. And, you know, the kind of reference college of Charleston. And he, you know, really liked the whole story. And, you know, he brought a second interview. And, um, and what I was really looking for, like I said, I just didn't want to be a technologist. I didn't want to go just do programming. And GE had a program that was focusing on developing CIOs, you know, for the future. And the program was all about, um, obviously learning your technology background, also teaching you the business. It was a four, uh, rotational assignments over two years. So I started my career, you know, at GE, um, you know, time, but, um, you know, but I was able to, to prove myself and prove to others that I had a career. Well, that is a really cool story of perseverance and, you know, keeping at it and doing whatever it takes. And talk about a big brand company. GE certainly did that. How long were you at General Electric? I was at GE almost uh, eight, eight years. Um, and the interesting thing about the, the, you know, GEs was all about developing people. And, and I use this analogy at that time, I worked, you know, with Jack Welch and Gary Reiner and people like that um, at GE. And they're about, you know, challenging you and putting you in difficult assignments. And I, I like to use analogy of, they would drop you in, you know, five feet of water and see, can you swim? And if you were swimming, then they would put you in another 10 feet, 15 feet or 20 feet. Now they won't let you drown, but it was their way of developing you on, in a very rapid way. Mm-hmm. So over the course of those eight years, um, I'm, I was promoted like, you know, four or five times during that course into more challenging assignments. Um, but that was part of the accelerating my development and accelerating my career. Great stuff. So when did you decide to, to get an MBA? Was that while you were at GE or after? Or kind of when did, when did that actually happen? Yes. I mean, I decided to get an MBA while I was at GE. Um, you know, and that's where, you know, just I would talk to different people, you know, and say, hey, I want to be a CIO. <laughs> I know I'm just an entry-level person right now, but I want to be a CIO. And I would write down all the things that these people would tell me what it took to be a CIO. They said, you got to have global capabilities. The world is getting more global these days. You got to know different, you know, cultures. You got to know the finance. You got to know the marketing. You got to know the HR. You got to know finance and and you got to have a cross-functional expertise. And and by the way, you still got to know the technology. So I said, I would check off all these things. And I said, you know, I know the technology. I got that down. Um, But hey, I don't know, you know, marketing. Oh, I don't know finance that deep. I said, well, I can go do a cross-functional assignment 
with the audit staff or something like that. And I, w- I would map that out and say, wow, that's going to take a long time to do that by time. Because not only did I had which companies I want to be CIO for, what size companies, but I also had a timeline. I had a roadmap. And when I mapped that out, just doing it traditional way, um, you know, I would not reach my goals. So therefore, when I looked at an MBA, I said, wow, I can go do an executive MBA um, and be able to accelerate that and get those skill sets that are really required because I wanted to be the CIO that had the business skills as well as the technology skills. Um, so I went and I applied to Wharton, I applied to Northwestern and I applied to Duke and I got accepted by all of those, but I decided to go to Duke. Um, and, you know, because one of the, that was one of my favorite, my favorite basketball team. There he goes. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's a good I reason. Was, I wasn't good enough to play there, but it was my favorite basketball team. And, and so I, so people are like, you mean you turned down Wharton? I'm like, yes, because I wanted to go to Duke. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be in a Cameron indoor arena taking in the game. I got it. Exactly right. <laughs> I don't blame so you, man. That'd be my criteria too. I decided to go and, uh, <laughs> that's so that's where I decided to go and um you know and I was one of the few people in the MBA school that had a technology background um so it was challenging in the class where a lot of people came from a business undergrad and they were just extending their their knowledge where for me it was all you know yeah Kevin you know it, what's interesting is you had this career path to CIO re- real early and you knew that you had to go broad, not just deep on the technology piece. Right. And you know, something interesting that I heard you say is that you had four to five promotions. And so for the audience that are that is listening right now, what, what would you say would attribute it to those promotions? Yeah, and I think the key was that not just promotions in terms of, it was all about, I had that, I'll say the target of what type of what I was looking for to be able to get to that career. So like an example, when I had to, someone said, Hey, well, you need to be a good CIO. You need to understand the business. So I just didn't go get the job because it was a promotion. I got the job because it filled in a gap that I had in my background compared to where I wanted to go. So when I left, you know, Daytona Beach, where it was great being at Daytona Beach, that was my first assignment. <laughs> I was doing um, help desk work and the service side of it. So when I left, I got promoted from the job in Daytona Beach. I took an assignment in uh, Philadelphia, and that was closer to business facing. So that's how all every one of those promotions work was it was taking on another assignment another challenge that helped me filled out a gap in my background um, that, you know, that a CIO needed. Yeah. And just the, it's what's so amazing is how targeted you were from early kind of the early stages, which is my blueprint is to be a CIO. I go to a company that develops CIOs. I go broad uh, and encompass in so many other disciplines and get so much other exposure, all with this idea of being a CIO in a large, significant global company. Um, would you say that was part of your kind of, I guess, um, formula for career success being so targeted and so determined and so clear in what you wanted early in your career? Absolutely. But it's also, you know, I give a lot of credit for all the CIOs who, you know, I, who met with me, um, and, and, and was patient enough that for me to ask a bunch of questions and all the people that I network with, um, 
and that helped me become targeted because of the fact that there's a lot of people out there that will, you know, want to mentor and help people. And I think that's the key of having a strong network of, you know, your mentors and, but to be a good mentee, you got to have a target of what you really want to do and then making sure you have the right mentors who, who've been in those positions and who can help you with what do you need to get there and making sure you, you are in the right, you know, um, positions. Well, you know, and the one thing that just, again, a uh, little inside baseball, I've known Kevin for a while. And what I think is unique about him as a leader is you, you were not a IT leader. You were truly an executive who happened to be focused on IT. And I think there's an important distinction, right? I think you do understand all the larger levers of the business and that really informed, I think, how effective you could be and how you thought about the CIO role. You weren't, you didn't have blinders on. It wasn't just IT for the sake of IT. It was always IT in service of the business. And I think you took that perspective very well into your role. So now I, this gives me a little bit of better understanding or grounding and where that came from, right? GE background and a lot of different types of experiences and a well-rounded MBA. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's let's move on the progression. Kind of, you you obviously were and had some real success at GE. Uh, where did you go next? Kind of what 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 drove the transition out of GE, and what was your next company? Yeah, you know, and again, I just pulled that template out that says, "Hey, I want to be a Fortune." You know, I want to be a CIO for a Fortune. You know, fifty company at forty years old. <laughs> I mean, that was the the kind of goal, and I was, you know, I think I was thirty at that time. And I just graduated my MBA and I said, okay, well, that checks off a couple boxes. Um, and then I looked at opportunities and I said, you know, if I want to be a global CIO, I have to get to scale. Because if you're going to be a global CIO, you need to have large scale operations. And so I had opportunities with GE to stay with them and, you know, move to some other locations. Um, but I also had an opportunity to come to Atlanta, you know, um, and work for, you know, Bell South, which is now part of at t but what was unique about Bell South, it was a technology company. It was a software company. Um, and um, they were investing several billion dollars in IT. So, and so I had the opportunity at an early age to run a large, almost almost 50% of their operations, you know, all, all of their customer service, all of their um, billing and, and um, sales organization. And that was that interesting. That was a start of broadband. Broadband was just coming out. Um, so that was the reason why, you know, I won being closer to home, getting back to the Southeast, but more importantly, it was filling that gap of being able to run a large scale IT organization and a mission critical, um, you know, because if your phone services are out or your mobility services are out, I mean, it impacts your, your ability to communicate from a business perspective or even from a personal perspective. So it was a different type of, you know, technologies being a critical enabler for the business. Well, and that's at 30 years old, you had a pretty scaled position. They probably looked at this guy with great GE experience, MBA from Duke, <clears throat> and let's stretch him and scale him a bit more. Yeah. Um, yes, and I learned a lot about, you know, you know it's, it's great because I moved from one company, you know, GE that had a culture, you know, I was with them for like at that point, eight years. So I understood the culture of GE. And then I moved to, to your point at, um, at Bell South. And I thought at that point, the same steps that I took at GE and were very successful, I should take the same steps at Bell South. Why not? And I realized fairly quickly, 
you know, through getting feedback from, from uh, mentors and my boss was that, you know, it's a different culture. Look around you. It's different. And that's one of the things that I learned early in my career about, yes, you have to understand the technology, the business, but the culture is so important of a company. And, you know, the old saying is sometimes culture can trump strategy. So um, that's what I learned, you know, at, in that role at Bell South as well. It's a great learning. I've seen that happen so many times when people come from a more mature, sophisticated shop and try to uh, impose what worked in the past in a new culture and environment. And often they leave two years later with a, their tail between the legs because it just didn't work, right? Um, how do you adapt to your new context? Great, great learning early in your career. It is terrific. So Bell South, wait, tell us, kind of walk us through the rest of your progression. What, where did you go post Bell South and what drove the change? So at the Bell South, also what happened during that timeline was that the um, it was a downturn of the internet back in, and obviously we had September 11th at the same time. And so you talk about a market that was growing because of broadband overnight just crashed. And, um, you know, we went from $3 billion of technology spending to under a billion overnight, um, just yeah. a big turnaround in the industry. So after, you know, that whole, you know, episode there, you know, I moved over, I looked back at my, you know, um, my map again and says, okay, what am I going to do? What's the next opportunity? And, um, and right across the street was Coca-Cola. And I had some, some people that I knew that um, worked at GE um, previously, and um, they had an opportunity for, you know, had a supply chain. And what was interesting, it actually was a, a title level down. Um, but what was also, when I looked at my, my map again, okay, I want to be a CIO. <laughs> I'm not a CIO yet. Yeah. And I said, well, one of the things, the world is going global. And I still don't have that global, you know, responsibilities. And I said, wait a minute. Coca-Cola is the, you know, the number one brand in the world, most recognized globally. And also the role was heading up all of their supply chain globally. Um, so that's where, you know, I said, wow, this is a great fit. Although it wasn't a, a title increase, um, it was a great fit in terms of filling out, um, you know, my, what I needed in my background to get to the next level. Great lesson there, right? <clears throat> a larger goal in mind and willing to take lateral moves, even a half step back in order to get there. So you're at Coca-Cola and how long were you at Coke? I was at Coca-Cola for five years. And um, so I ran all of their global supply chain, all of their, you know, procurement systems. And, um, you know, and also um, I was the CIO for their for division, their concentrate business as well. Um, so I, I learned a lot. There were some big, you know, challenges. I mean, at that point, Coca-Cola was putting in one of the largest SAP implementations in the world. And they had a lot of challenges with it. Um, and it wasn't going very well. So it was more of, you know, come in and, you know, turn around this, this implementation, but also make sure that the business is getting value out of, you know, the SAP solution, not just putting in technology. And it was really driven by, you know, um, Walmart, as an example. At that time, Coca-Cola was growing all over the place. World, Walmart was growing, but Walmart wanted, you know, best price, but it also wanted, you know, the consistency um, in terms of delivery. And then obviously we wanted consistency of Coca-Cola across the world. So we put in the systems that made sure that not only we can deliver to Walmart consistently, but we can deliver in terms of quality and taste and, you know, solutions 
across the globe as well with one common global um, system. Yeah, SAP rollouts, that was a different life for me too. That That's a different show on kind of best practices and that, that's <laughs> that's made and lost a lot of careers, those ERP rollouts, there's no doubt. So Coca-Cola. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've been involved with several of those turnarounds, about six of those from an SAP perspective. So that's terrific. So, so Coca-Cola, you're there. You, you obviously had high impact, huge role, still in your 30s. Um, then what happened? Whirlpool come a-calling, or what kind of motivated your, your change it, to Whirlpool? It was kind of interesting. I pulled out my, pulled out my little, little roadmap again, and my roadmap said, hey, you, you, you're going to get to your CIO. You need to lead a $2 billion company first. Just start small, Kevin. Maybe if Five billion, you know, but don't, you know, you're not going to go get a twenty billion or thirty billion dollar company as your first global CIO role. So that's what I was looking for. Um, and then I got a call from someone, um, Kelly Carson, um, had a. She said, "I'm recruiting for Whirlpool as their CIO." And I'm like, "Are you talking to me?" I said, "Whirlpool is a twenty billion dollar company." <laughs> so that that didn't fit into the roadmap because I'm supposed to go to a smaller CIO role first and then work myself up. <laughs> yeah. So, so if I said Kelly, Kelly's like Kevin, I think you'd be great for this job, you know. And I said, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not sure, but let me at least go in an interview. <laughs> yes. So, um, um, so I um, went on an interview and I met with. Uh, I'll never forget this, you know. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm always practicing. What is what? What are they looking for? And by the time I got to Benton Harbor, you know, Michigan, where Whirlpool was headquartered, you know, I've done my homework and I, and I realized that, you know, I was read, more ready for that job than what I even knew. Um, because what they were looking for, people who had SAP experience, they were looking for people who had technology experience, they were looking for people who, who understood, you know, multiple locations and multiple environments from a supply chain perspective. Um, so those were things that were in my background. Um, and by the time I got there, you know, I was ready <laughs> and I'll never forget, you know, Dave Binkley, who was the head of HR there, asked me a question. He said, you know, are you sure you're ready for this job? You're, <laughs> you're a young kid. <laughs> I said, absolutely. Let me tell you why. Um, and, um, you know, it was a test to see if I, you know, really was ready for the job and I had the confidence in that I can, you know, do the job. And I think the key was, I had an approach um, on how I was going to go attack a big, a big challenge. I had a strategy and, you know, we, you know, assess 10 core parts of the business and, and making sure we're aligning with the business strategy and, and w- what the business is trying to accomplish. And then what, how does technology enable that business strategy? And you got the job. Um, and uh, obviously I, I got the job. Yeah, that, that you you went ten x that two billion dollar target you had as far yeah, as yeah, I, I agree, right? <laughs> yeah, not only size and scale, but global footprint and largest manufacturer of appliances in the world. So it it, it was and is the big leagues in many ways. Uh, what were your key learnings while you're at Whirlpool as an executive? You know, I think learning is was about the team and leveraging people. Um, even like yourself, Joe. I mean, it wasn't it was a challenge, but you know, having people like Joe you know, helping me out with, you know, the talent and people, because that's clearly, you know, part of, you know, being a leader, you know, talent management and being able to make sure you got the, the right people around you um, and the culture side of, of that company as well. Um, so I think, you know, just having the right team 
you know, you're no place in this world. You can, as a leader can be know everything, but if you can get the right people around you and your team that can support you, you know, you got a, you got a shot to win. And like I, I learned at uh, GE, you can't be an A player without A and B players around you. And so that's what I always try to do is hire A and B players um, around me. So that was my biggest lesson learned. The second biggest lessons learned is, is obviously just making sure you got a strategy and a roadmap and aligning that with the business and not just doing, you know, technology for technology's sake. Um, and, um, you know, and making sure even at that time, you know, cloud computing was coming out. You know, I was one of the first people in the world to implement Microsoft in the cloud. Um, you know, another, you know, with analytics in the cloud. Um, so, but obviously just making sure you stay abreast of what technology is, but also you make sure you, you know, understand how that technology can be used in the business. Great. Well, those are great learnings. And it's not technology for the sake of technology. Integrating it, obviously, with business needs, uh, the complexity that you had to manage through required a team, right? A really talented team and knowing where you needed A players and making sure that you recruited those, developed those. A lot of great learnings as an executive, clearly. Um, well, and you obviously had a huge impact at Whirlpool. Uh, and we're in that role. How long were you in that role at Whirlpool? I was in at Whirlpool for five years. I'm starting to see a trend here, Kevin, this whole five-year itch thing that you got going on. So. <laughs> and from there, you went to Lowe's. Yes, I went to Lowe's. Um, you know, I guess that was where I was talking about the, you know, the $50 billion company, Fortune 50 company. And, you know, uh, my family wanted to get back to the East Coast. I mean, they've had enough of the Midwest. Um, and the opportunity, you know, came available um, to move back to the, um, the Southeast. And Lowe's was the opportunity that was presented. So I, I went to Lowe's. Um, and, and I was able to um, do pretty much a lot of the same things because of the fact that it's in the same industry. I mean, it's a retail, but obviously they sell washers and dryers and they sell Coca-Cola. And, and so yeah. the, the supply chain background was a perfect fit and the retail background was a perfect fit. And, you know, the systems transformation was the same as well too, especially around the digital side. And, um, you know, cause at that point, you know, digital was just coming into, you know, um, even in the retail. So a lot of the work was around building the omni-channel there, um, really being able to um, make sure consumers can compete with Amazon um, and making sure, you know, they had the similar experience, whether it was in the store or online or, you know, over the phone. Well, thank you. That And you're right. That does seem like a nice marriage of what you did on the supply chain and the retail side. And obviously large, complex organizations, uh, rollouts. And you already said before, you've done six ERPs. So I'm sure that all came in uh, and was utilized and leveraged tremendously. Finally, you made a, you're now at Avnet. What, what's kind of your role at Avnet and what's, what's your focus there? Well, at Avnet, you know, again, I took some time off because I had some, um, you know, my wife passed away um, during that time. And, you know, at that time, Joe, I think it's almost something you told me back in 2008 I remember this. We were in, um, I forgot the place where the kind of ex- leadership. Uh, Brandywine Creek. Yes. Brandywine Creek. And I'll never forget, you had a presentation up there. And you talked about all these successful executives. And they had three things. One was they were really business when you talk about their spiritual focus. Mm-hmm. And the third one you talked about was family. 
And, and I, I'll never forget that. And I can tell you, I, you might, you probably were speaking to me. I just didn't understand at that point. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I think, you know, as I went through those parts of my career, you know, I'm, I'm never a believer you can have all three of those balance. But I think what you talked about was the great executives try to strive to have those three balance. Mm-hmm. And I think um, that's what I learned, you know, during that time when my, you know, my wife passed away that I wasn't balanced on the other two. Yeah. Um, so I've really become more balanced and strive to be more balanced on the other two categories than I've ever been before. Um, and I've, you know, I've been an executive and I made this kind of conscious decision that I'm going to be a single dad, um, but I'm also going to be a family man. <laughs> and I'm all gonna, yeah. also going to have a belief in yep. as well. So, um, you know, that's when I decided to go to Abnet. Um, I commuted you know, um, for um, four years from um, Atlanta to Abnet because I made a conscious decision that I wasn't going to move my, my, my son and my mom, who I was taking care of as well. So I uh, took a plane flight four hours every Sunday um, and four hours back every Thursday. Wow. Um, so that's, and, and, you know, similar type of turnaround situation. <laughs> You'll see that in my career as well, too. For some reason, I take on some of the most challenging assignments. Um, Abnet was a situation where they had a bad ERP implementation um, that almost caused the company in severe, you know, market, market share loss. Um, and Abnet was trying to move into the digital side of, you know, B2C. Um, so that was what I was really about. And then modernizing all the technology, moving it into cloud, moving into outsourcing. And like I said, growing the digital business as well. So that's what I've been doing at Abnet. Um, and, um, but again, at the same time, you know, balancing those other two um, factors that you taught me, <laughs> you know, exactly. 12 years ago. So, well, that's great to hear. And, and, uh, obviously you can't help yourself, Kevin, wherever you go, you're trying to change things. So that's kind of what you, <laughs> exactly. yes, that's, that's <laughs> you know, pretty and, evident. And I think that's, that's me. And if, you know, right now I'm doing, um, consulting and, and helping run our family business as well, um, called B rise. And, um, you're right. I'm a type of guy who, um, you know, I'm always looking for how can I create value? It's a challenge. What's the transformation? (laughs) You know, what's the innovation? Because I think, you know, technology is especially, you know, with COVID and post COVID. And I think it's become a real realization for every company. You can't compete. You can't even survive without technology these days. So um, that's why I'm always looking at opportunities where, you know, technology can be an enabler for the business. Well, you know, Kevin, I love that your eighth grade self was thinking beyond um, the timing, right? This is like you're thinking future head. Technology is definitely very important. Thank you for sharing your career journey. You know, let's 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 move forward and think about and talk about your learnings, right? Obviously, you've had a great vision for your career. You love the challenge, and you've had high impact in all of the roles that you've had, and. One of the things that I continuously hear you say is you've had a roadmap. Um, what talk to us about what have you enjoyed or the least or the most about the work that you do? You know, what I've enjoyed the most about the work I do is that, you know, how it changes, you know, lives. How does it impact people on the business side, but also how does it impact, you know, the customers? Um, and that's what I get really excited about when, you know, when you put in a new software and it goes live, 
or you'd put in something that's digital and you're now giving people access to buy products or services that normally they couldn't have bought in the, in the previous time. So that's the most exciting thing that I get when that technology goes in, um, how it changes lives and how does it changes, you know, the companies um, as well too. the value, what I call the value creation. No, that's good. Um, you know, so talking about your roles, you've been in some very big companies. Um, what has been a most memorable challenge talking about you liking challenges or, or perhaps a mistake and, and what did you learn from it? You know, I think the um, biggest challenge for me, I mean, again, you know, I've had, you know, turnarounds of, you know, like I said, billion dollar companies. I've worked in consultant, you know, um, you know, companies that are 500 million or 60 million. So I've had a lot of those turnarounds, but I think the biggest challenge that I've ever had in my life was being a single parent and also being, having that commitment, you know, you know, Joe will tell you example, you know, I, you know, I flew down at that time. That was my daughter's um, first time she made it to an NCAA tournament um, in Texas. So I flew down to see her at that game. You know, she was doing uh, maybe what, 25, that year she probably had 30 games. I know I went to at least 20 games. You know, at the same time, my son was playing football at IMG. Um, and they were traveling all across the country um, playing football. I went to every one of those games. Um, so being there for my kids, but also, you know, sometimes I still had global responsibilities where I was on the road 20 or 30%. So, um, you know, there were nights that I wake up in a hotel and I'm saying, okay, what city am I in? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm dead there. <laughs> going to see my daughter or I'm going to see my son. I mean, you know, I, I think there were times when my son um, had a game on a Friday night and um, or Saturday. No, this was on a Saturday. Moved, it was a Friday night game. They moved it to Saturday, which I'm like, oh, man, because my daughter was like her last year. She said, you know, she's moving from one dorm to another. Um, her senior year and every year we moved her in and she's like dad this is my senior year you mean you're not going to be here so we drove 15 hours <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> from the, the tip of south water all the way back through atlanta into memphis and then on sunday guess what i had to drive back to atlanta get on a plane and fly to phoenix so i think that was the most challenging but also the most rewarding um, as well to be able to balance that. And, you know, I'll, and that's changed me forever as a leader um, because I look at that, that circle that Joe taught me back in 28, 2008, you know, that family balance. And I think it makes you a better, stronger leader. Um, you know, I had to learn it maybe the, you know, in a different way from losing my wife. Um, but I just, you know, that's probably was the biggest challenge when I made that commitment that I'm still going to be an executive but I'm going to be a good dad and a good family person at the same time. And you make my heart feel good, Kevin. That's, that's really good. <laughs> yes. Thank you for sharing that. I, it's not, it's definitely something you've had to overcome. Um, you know, and as we think through, you also mentioned you're from a very small town, 1200 population, you move out, you go into the bigger city. Um, there are obviously things that you've experienced throughout your life Tell us anything that has, may have seemed unfair to you throughout the trajectory of moving from a small town, big town, college, and big corporations that may have seemed unfair to you. And how did you overcome it? You know, I don't look at them as um, unfair. I mean, if someone was to go back and says, okay, yeah, it was unfair that, 
you know, that I was, um, you know, I don't tell my, you know, I didn't have the greatest GPAs coming out of college. Um, I didn't go to a big, you know, Georgia Tech or some big school or, you know, I'm a minority or, you know, um, you know, I, I don't look at those things or unfairness. I look at those as just opportunities. And how do you, you know, um, still have your, your focus and you take on those challenging assignments. Um, so I don't think I've ever looked back in my career and said something is unfair, um, you know, per se, but it probably look at someone probably looking out from the outside, probably say, yeah, that was, that was tough. Mm-hmm. But for me inside, I look at, you know, what's the opportunity, what's the challenge, and then how do I figure out um, ways around it? Or how do I go talk to people who've experienced it and get their expertise and knowledge um, as well? I love the positive mindset. You know, as, as we close, Kevin, what are some key lessons or learnings that you would like to share with the audience? You know, and I think that's a good one, Marianne, because of the fact that, um, you know, I came from very humble beginnings. And um, if you were to look back and you said, what are the odds? I mean, you know, like I said, part of my, our business now is that, you know, we have a, a farm and we do products with B-Rise in South Carolina. And, and we give, and part of that is the, you know, the community. And we, we reach out to other kids because of the fact that, you know, um, I look at a lot of those kids and that's part of helping them rise up. That's the name of the foundation. And there are a lot of people like me. And I look at some of those, those young, young men and I said, wow, that was me. Um, and, but what I would say that, you know, the um, key learnings is that dream big. And just because you're sitting in a farm in a rural area with 1200 people and there's 20 people in your class, you can still dream big. And, but I think the key is that yes, dream big, but create some goals and a roadmap because it's great to dream big, but how do you get there? And then you, I said, accept all the challenges. You know, I didn't do everything perfect. I learned, I made some mistakes. I know I made some mistakes, but I learned from them. And once you've learned from them, then obviously, you know, you can, um, you know, improve on the next time. And that's what I call continuous improvement. Even after 30 years of experience, I'm still improving. Um, And then I think the next one is your network and the people that you have around you. Um, keep that network going, you know, um, like Joe, like we've known each other for a long time. We're like brothers, like I said, keep that network going of people around you that um, you never know when you may need them or you're there to help them and just constantly asking questions. Always, you know, being inquisitive about because the world is changing, technology is changing and you got to keep abreast of what's going on. And then my last thing is just, like I said, when you dream big, then put your plan together, learn from your mistakes, ask others, get a right team team of people around you, and then go after it, you know, and just never give up, (laughs) you know, never give up, go after it. That's my key learnings. Honestly, I I can see why your kids are doing so well. I I feel more, I'm ready to run through the wall right now. I'm ready to get out on the field. I don't even know what sport I'm playing at this point, but I'm just all in. Well, you know, sometimes my kids don't view that way. I think they're realizing, you know, when I used to tell them, you know, they're like, you know, Duke, man, a lot of smart people go to Duke. And I'm like, well, you don't think, and I said, what about me? Am I smart? Oh, no, you're not smart. (laughs) Kids will do that to you. 
<laughs> kids have a, an honesty quotient you don't get anywhere else. Trust me. If you want. <laughs> and then especially when my, my kids are taking, like my son right now is taking um, business classes. And I'm like, you know, hey, I can probably help you with that. No, Dad, I got it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm like, like, you realized I could probably teach that course. (laughs) (laughs) You could. There's no probably about it. And probably really, really uh, well. I got it, Dad. (laughs) That's funny. So I love a pretty, you know, when I come home, you know, I'm not the, you know, CEO for 18 years, 30 years of a corporate executive. I'm dead. And when I go home in South Carolina with my six brothers and sisters and all my nieces and nephew, I'm Kevin. Yeah. Yes. And yep. that's what I think they everyone keeps me grounded. And I think that's important as a lead lesson learned. No matter how high you get, no matter how good you get, hey, stay grounded. And I think that'll help you continuously, you know, learn as well. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Kevin, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, and if they want to learn more about B Rise, is is there a website or is there anywhere yes, else? There's, there's a website called B Rise, uh com and you know, we're pretty excited about that. That's you know, you know, it's a seven generation farm. My father, um, you know, his father and multiple generations before that um, had about uh, 600 acres. Wow. And after my father passed away, you know, that's another part when I was at Lowe's, you know, God does certain things for a certain reason. Um, that was another reason when I moved back from Whirlpool to Lowe's was because my father was sick. Yeah. And I was able to go see him every, every week because um, North Carolina and, you know, South Carolina was about an hour away. So when he passed away, you know, my brother and I said, we got a seven generation farm with 600 plus acres. What are we going to do with it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, you know, I worked hard to get off the farm. <laughs> I wasn't because see my, my six brothers and sisters, my sisters got married and they left the farm. My other brother stayed there. So my father thought I was going to stay on the farm too. And I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> I'm going to play basketball. I'm going to work for a big company i'm gonna play in the nba so i i had a plan yeah <laughs> so but you know things change and you know um and after he passed away we looked at what we we're going to do there and um you know I, and i always said you know i wanted to do something that's going to help people out in that community and that's why i called the rise up because you know um rising up and helping other people with my roadmap because a lot of people have that same kind of dream of you know coming from inner cities or coming from rural areas. So we do um, products and we do, um, and we've generated jobs in that area um, for youth and we partner with the universities um, and we sell, you know, we, so we generate jobs, we put the farm back into action. And then also we have products that are health and wellness products as well. So that's, and I use technology on every part of that. So that was my whole point was that when I first went back to the farm, I'm like, I can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> Brother, you're on your own. Yeah, <laughs> Man, it's hot out here. And then it hit me and it said, wait a minute. My father and my mom, you know, worked on this farm for many, many years. I mean, they didn't give me a lot of money to go to college, but, you know, they gave me that, that work ethic that, and that education that my mom always talked about. So how am I going to do this differently? So if you go to our farm, it's not your normal farm. (laughs) It has IoT. It has analytics in it. You know, everything is computerized. You know, I have broadband out there. You know, we can do video. I can probably do a better video conference on the farm than I can do on my house. (laughs) You should have told us before, Kevin. We could have. I know that. We probably would have done it there. And then um, all the irrigation is, you know, automated. Um, we track all the analytics and then we make adjustments based on the data. 
So that's been pretty excited, uh, being able to apply what I've learned over 30 years back into a rural area and creating jobs for people and opportunities for them to say, hey, you know, I want to go to college and, you know, learn farming, but I want to learn it, you know, the way you're teaching it, Kevin, with technology. Yeah. Um, so that's what it's all about. So it's been exciting. So um, <laughs> I, I could tell you lit up when you talked about it. And, and Oh, yeah. It's just, a, like I said, just, just the excitement of, you know, coming home and, and creating opportunities for others. Absolutely. Um, yes. And showing them that, um, you know, there's, you, that th- you can dream. Yeah, you got me inspired. Yeah, you got me inspired. And you're right. If if uh, I'll say this, if you can do it, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Right? It's a matter exactly. of having. I wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't some genius coming out of high school. <laughs> like I said, it was neither was I or Joe for that matter. <laughs> well, thank you. Yes. <laughs> and you know, I just got, and I won't say it's luck because people will say, "Well, how did you make it at that?" You know, at that age, it, it wasn't luck. If you knew I had the roadmap. Yep. And there, and you know, my, my point of view, there are thousands and thousands of Kevins out there, but no one has helped them with the roadmap. And that's what B rise and rise up. The foundation is all about helping them with that roadmap and, and finding those people that can, you know, that are probably smarter than me and saying, Hey, you can go to college. You can major in, you know, computer science and you can get a job, you know, with a major company and, Become a CIO. <laughs> yep. Yes. Well, and and uh, and I think we're going to title this episode "The Roadmap." I think uh, I think that might be the reverberating theme. So that's a great Absolutely. takeaway. It's a terrific. I, mean, I trust you guys. Whatever you decide to do, but I really, you know, I'm all pumped up to keep moving. <laughs> yeah, you got me running next, through the wall, man. Road. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to go dunk it. I haven't dunked it in 15 years, man. So, but I'm ready to go. <laughs> Oh, go throw it down. Well, I have to go back. I probably never, I dunked probably once or twice in high school. So <laughs> I, I, I dunked once on a breakaway and it was like the, probably the top five moments of my life. That oh and the birth gosh. of the children, you know, I actually dunked in a game. Well, and I'm only five feet, so someone might have to pick me up, but that's okay. <laughs> it still counts. <laughs> She'll dunk on a six foot net really well. Cool. Nowadays, you got those goals you can adjust really quickly, and yep. you can dunk on those, and that still counts. <laughs> yep, no, and, and we've certainly done that a few times. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. This has been tremendous content. You're really an inspiring figure, and 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 someone I care about personally. I'm so glad to see that you're doing so well. And um, you know, I know that your story, uh, your insights are going to really leave a legacy and help so many other people. So, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity again. Thank you. Thank you. Bad man. Thanks. American Narratives is brought to you by CMP, a minority and women-owned firm providing solutions across the full talent life cycle, from recruitment and assessment to leadership coaching and career transition solutions. To learn more, visit www.careermp.com.